We exist to see God glorified and churches multiplied by declaring and displaying the gospel. Our scripture this morning is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 1. The Apostle Paul writes, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlists him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Good morning. It's good to see you today. Good to gather with you today. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. If you are a guest with us, it's a joy to have you with us. Thanks for being here today. And, uh, and Father's happy, uh, happy Father's Day to you. I'm still getting my Bible open, my notes out, because as many fathers of a six-year-old would know, there's just some mornings that don't go the way that you think they're going to go. And some mornings that happens to be Father's Day and you happen to be preaching. And so, um, uh, man, just uh, in a moment, we're going to pray, and when we do, we'd love for you to pray with me that my mind just gets focused, and uh, that I had a, quite the scare this morning as a father, and so we'd love for you to just pray that I'm able to just kind of go and get to the word, as my heart was very distracted a few moments ago, and I thought I might even have to text Sam and just be like, bro, you're up, and so um, so appreciate that here in a minute. Um, hey, dads, it's good to see you, and I'm glad that you're here, um, man, Father's Day, like Mother's Day, is a day for many of us that's a day of rejoicing and celebration, and it's a day for some of us that's sadness. Um, Some of you have lost your father. Some of you um, had a father who was absent. Some of you had a father who was abusive or who was neglectful, Um, and and today's a day of, of sadness that way. Some of you long to be a father, and the Lord hasn't blessed you that way, and there's sadness there for you. And some of you have incredible experiences with your father. My son and I just got to spend a few days with my dad hiking and, and playing at some state parks this week and just uh, beautiful memories with him. And I'm a father who just loves deeply. Some of you are that way. And, um, and today's a day of celebration. And, and I, 
I would be amiss if I didn't say, man, I, I love on Father's Day reading the words that the wives of our church say about their husbands on social media. Um, it's maybe the most redeeming day of the year um, on social media to see how the wives in our church celebrate the, the godly husbands and fathers that are in their house. And so, um, men, I, I love you, and I'm praying for you today, and I'm praying that you would be strengthened in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ today to be a father. Being a father is hard, it's exhausting, it's not easy, it's self-sacrificing, um, and, uh, and it's a great calling and duty that the Lord has given us, a joyous responsibility. And so I want to pray for you in a moment, uh, and, uh, and I want to pray for us as we get into this word as well. Uh, before we do that, here's a couple announcements. We have starting next week, or on next Saturday, excuse me, we have uh, the Emmaus Pastoral Residency Preaching Symposium. So from 8 a.m. until, I believe, 6 p.m., upstairs in the Emmaus Loft, uh, we will be listening to our pastoral residents preach sermons. They're preaching 30-minute sermons with feedback given by our pastors to them. I'm announcing that to you because you're invited to come listen to them. They would love to have some of you come join them. If one of our pastoral residents is in your community group, consider coming to listen to that one. Reach out to them. They can let you know what time that they're preaching. Come join them um, and just be, be a support to them and be a huge blessing to them. It's a great opportunity for our church to be a part of helping to develop preachers. Uh, in that light, today we're beginning the pastoral residency series. We often call it here the residency series. And where uh, for the next four weeks after today, our pastoral residents are going to come and preach for you the, the word of God, the gospel of God. And so join us next Saturday if you have an hour, if you have two hours, if you have three hours. Come support some men who are training to be pastors um, by listening to them do that. And then also, I just kind of want to let you know, because something unusual is going to happen at Emmaus over the next, well, really the rest of the summer, um, uh, this is my last time to preach here until September, right? And so I won't be preaching the remainder of the summer. I'm here, I'm working, I'm doing a lot of pastoral care, a lot of pastoral counseling. I'm working on our Ecclesiastes sermon series that's coming up, developing um, a, kind of a new format for our pastoral residency that would begin in 2023, working on men's leadership collectives, women's leadership collectives, doing a lot of leadership stuff and work, but I won't be standing here in the pulpit with you until September. And so I just want to mention that because that's unusual. You're used to not seeing me for a week, maybe two weeks, uh, maybe, maybe three out of six weeks, but, but to go, I believe it's 11 weeks here without stepping up here is a little unusual. I'm still here. I'm still your pastor. I'm not going anywhere. In fact, I have more time to meet with you. So I'd love to have a coffee with you, a lunch with you, um, gather with you, um, hear what's going on in your life. Would love to do that over the course of this summer. And, uh, but for the next four weeks, we'll be listening to our residents and then a seven-week series on the Trinity after that in which the rest of our pastors will be dividing that up and preaching. And then we'll come back and I'll be in the pulpit a little more than normal throughout the fall. And so looking forward to um, to that with you as well. Let's pray, and we'll jump into this text. Jesus, you're very gracious to us to bring us here today, and we thank you for that. Father, I thank you for the joy of singing songs about just your relentless love and invitation to us, your grace showered upon us. Father, we're broken. We can't repay you. Every investment seems like a loss. We continue to run face first into sin so often. We stumble, we fall, we doubt, we fear, we don't trust you. Your grace remains faithful. And so I thank you for that reminder today. Father, today I thank you for the men in this 
room who are fathers, who, um, who are fathers who have raised children, who are raising children, who are um, first Father's Day fathers, who are experiencing for the first time what it's like to, to give of themselves in a, in a new way to, um, to, to someone who is desperate for their care and their um, guidance and for their protection and for their love. Father, I thank you for the men in this room who strive hard to be fathers, who love their children and long to raise their children to love you. Father, I pray for the men in this room who are tired as fathers, who are just worn out, um, who maybe are at a loss because of their children, who maybe are frustrated as a father, who may be at a loss for their own parenting and not knowing how to parent well, and they're just frustrated with themselves. I pray for the fathers who who have failed, who have fathered in sin, who have not been faithful and who have not raised their children to love you well. Father, who have not invested themselves sacrificially into those whom you have given to them. Father, would you speak grace to them and would you call them into faithfulness? Father, for the men in this room who, and the women in this room who have lost fathers, Father, would you comfort them today? For those who have had fathers abandon them, would you comfort them today? For those who were abused by their fathers, would you care for them and heal them today? Father, would you raise the men up of this church to lead well and faithful within their homes? That our children might grow up to believe the gospel of Jesus. Father, we pray for this time in the word today. Would you fill our hearts Father, with with knowledge of your grace, and would you fill us with zeal for proclaiming that grace? Speak to us today. We need to hear from you. Spirit, we need you to preach to us today. And then lastly, I pray today for the couple from our church who just this week set foot on um, Southeast Asia soil. Father, who have replanted their lives there for the sake of of the fame of Jesus. Father, would you be with them as they're getting used to a new culture and used to new language and used to new food, as they're exploring and meeting new people and finding their home. Father, would you give them much grace as they're beginning their life for the sake of the gospel in a far-off land. What a joy to be able to send them. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Today we're beginning our residence series, and, and my, my, my hope today is to present to you a reason, if you will, of why we do what we do as a church in the sense of training up men to be pastors, particularly to be preachers here. Why do we give men um, who have never preached before an opportunity to preach to you on a Sunday morning? Why do our pastors take a step out of the pulpit? Why, why do we do that? But, but even more than that, why is it our responsibility as a church to come alongside these men and to help train them for ministry. And and what does it look like for us as a church as well, every member of our church, to be men and women who are teaching the gospel, teaching the grace of Jesus to those who are faithful to teach the grace of Jesus to those who are faithful to teach the grace of Jesus. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, we have this letter from Paul to Timothy, 
a young aspiring pastor who he's been discipling and he's calling Timothy into this faithfulness. At Emmaus, we say that Emmaus exists to see God glorified and churches multiplied by declaring and displaying the gospel. Right? We exist to see God glorified and churches multiplied, right? More churches come by declaring and displaying the gospel. And in part, we do that through what we call the Emmaus Pastoral Residency. There are a lot of ways that we do that. The preaching of the word is a way we do that. Children's ministry is a way that we do that. Community groups are a way that we do that. Women's Bible studies are a way that we do that. But in part, we do that through the Emmaus Pastoral Residency. We began the Emmaus Pastoral Residency the very first Sunday that our church was planted in Jan on January 4th, 2015. We began our church with 35 people, seven of which were pastoral residents, and then their wives. It was kind of a very odd ratio that we had going on for us. And from that day, we've welcomed in anywhere from five to eight new pastoral residents every January, running two groups at a time, year one and year two. These men spend expansive time reading and thinking and writing and discussing and practicing various areas of theology. They dive deeply into theological topics. They look into their hearts and consider their brokenness because of sin. Their heart, um, they look into their hearts and, and see how um, the sin in their own lives and brokenness in their own lives as an effect of sin that has been done to them cause, could cause them to have broken communion with God, could cause them to have broken relationships with others. They study the church, what it is, how it operates, how it works. They spend time learning about how to counsel others how to counsel the people of God rightly. They learn about preaching. They spend two hours of intensive study, walking with our elders, coming to our elders' meetings, listening to much of our discussion, spending much time reading and praying and writing so that hopefully one day they'll be faithful pastors as they step into churches to pastor. Next year, 2022, will be the first year in the history of our church that we've not welcomed in a new class of pastoral residents. We're taking a break next year from a new class in order to rework the residency and launch afresh in 2023. At Emmaus, we desire to see healthy churches led by healthy pastors multiplying more healthy churches led by healthy pastors. We want to see this continue, and we believe that the church is strengthened for mission for holiness, for obedience, for worship, for sacrificial living towards one another when pastors rightly preach the gospel of Jesus. Right? We believe that it begins here in the pulpit. The preaching of the gospel to the church fuels everything else that the church does. We believe this in part because of our passage last week at the end of, chapter, at the, end of the book of Romans, Romans chapter 16, verse 25. You thought we were done with Romans. We will never be done with Romans. Romans 16.25 says this, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Right, who is able to strengthen you according to the gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. You receive your strength. This is what we talked about last week. You receive strength when the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached to you. If God intends to use the preaching of the gospel of Jesus to save, to strengthen, and to sustain sinners, then we need men who will preach the gospel of Jesus faithfully. Now, there is a form of preaching that every one of us are called to. 
right? A, a sharing, a declaring, a um, evangelism, right? That all of us are called to a form of preaching, to declare, to open our mouths and speak the gospel of Jesus to those who haven't heard and to those who have heard. All of us are called to speak the gospel to others, to declare it to others. Each of you in this room who are followers of Jesus are called to that. Today, much of our focus will be on the church-wide preaching of the gospel of Jesus by the shepherds of the church to the church, right? But the men that God calls to preach to a corporate body gathered on Sunday mornings. Much of this passage is focused there, but understand the application applies to us as well who are simply Christians sitting in the pews. We are called to declare the gospel to those who declare the gospel to those who declare the gospel. I commend you, church, to listen to a sermon from uh, November 2017 on our, on our website, on our podcast, November 2017, by Pastor Ronnie, entitled The Church and Preaching, right? The Church and Preaching. In that sermon, Pastor Ronnie ex- will explain for you what we believe preaching is, why we believe preaching matters, and how we believe preaching should be done, Right? It's a wonderful sermon to go back and listen to. I listened to it earlier this week to refresh my mind on that. Um, I listened to it this week to consider stealing that sermon and re-preaching it with a Josh twist. And, uh, and I just decided I should tell you to go listen to that sermon. We're going a different direction today. Today, I'm not talking about what preaching is. Today, we're saying we are called to be a people who teach the gospel to a people who teach the gospel. Right? It's what we're called to do. And you may be asking, Josh, what good is it for me to hear a sermon? on training men to preach. I'm not training men to preach. I listen to preaching. I don't preach. I don't teach other people to preach. But church, the training of pastors and of preachers is not just the responsibility and joy of our pastors, but of our entire church. It is our responsibility. When you confess sins and respond um, to sins with the gospel, within the context of your community group, you're teaching the men in our church who are training to be pastors about preaching and about pastoring. They're learning the gospel. They're learning the scriptures. They're learning the application of these things by witnessing and watching and walking with you in confession of sins and response to confession of sins with the gospel. When you invite these men and their wives into your home for a meal, and you allow them to watch your parenting, and you allow them to witness your interaction with your spouse, and you allow them to experience your hospitality, you're teaching them about pastoring and preaching. When you ask theological questions and bring life situations to others for wisdom, you're teaching these men about pastoring and preaching. They're learning from your questions and your humility to seek out wisdom, and they're learning from the wisdom that is shared with you. When you simply befriend them and love them, and walk with them, not because of anything they have to offer you, not because they are a pastor yet, but simply because they're men, brothers in Christ. You're teaching them about pastoring, about preaching. When you trust God and follow God and serve God with all of your heart, through your doubts and your struggles and your suffering, you're teaching them about pastoring and preaching. When you strive to be faithful to Christ and his church, you're teaching them about pastoring and preaching. This is all of our responsibility, all of our joy. You, Church of Emmaus, have the joy and the responsibility to train dozens of pastors over the course of decades. What a joy we have. So this matters to you, one, because you train preachers with your embrace of the gospel, right? We're all part of this. It matters to you, two, 
because you are called to declare and display the gospel yourselves, right? This is a calling not just for pastors, but for Christians. And third, a unique application today on Father's Day that the fathers in our church have the joy and the responsibility of teaching our children the gospel so that our children will teach their children and their children will teach their children generations of gospel-believing, Christ-honoring, gospel-declaring family. What a gift. So look with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. We'll begin in verse 1. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to reach, or excuse me, who will be able to teach others also. You then, my child. I love Paul's fatherly affection for Timothy. You then, my child. Adamaeus, this is a relatively weird concept if our pastors use this language because most of us are fairly young ourselves. If our pastors went around to you or particularly to our pastoral residents and said, now my children, listen, right? It's, it's a little strange. I'm the oldest of our elders and I'm 41 in a few months. Many of our elders range in that 30 to 35 range. It's a little strange to call other people your children if they're older than you or you're the same age. But our hearts very much feel this way. This is very much what we feel within our hearts towards you, the members of Emmaus. We have a fatherly affection, a protection, a curiosity, and a desire for provision for you. It matters to us when you're sad. It matters to us when you are broken. It matters to us when you're losing to sin. It matters to us when you're happy and when you're rejoicing and when you're celebrating. These things matter to us as they should matter to a father. We take ownership of you and are affectionate for you and we feel responsible for you. This week, I had a message from someone in our church whose marriage is very unhealthy, needing wisdom, and my heart hurt for them deeply. This week, I had another message from someone in our church who said they were done with their marriage. And I was sad for them and concerned for them and worried about them. Yet another message from someone in our church this week saying, hey, do you know anyone in Portugal? We're interested in moving there with our mobile job and serving the church. I felt proud like a father whose, whose child's getting it. Yes, yes, good. How, how do we help get you there? Right, there's this fatherly affection that Paul has for Timothy, and there's this fatherly affection that our pastors have for you as the church. We feel this particularly about our residents. These are men who have given two years of their lives to, to submit to intense instruction and correction, and shaping, and molding, and pointing. They've opened up their lives to our pastors in a uniquely vulnerable way, for a, and, and we have affection for them as a father to a child. Next week when they preach, we'll give them feedback on their sermons, and sometimes the feedback is really, really hard to hear. And we do it out of a fatherly love and affection to help them, to help them flourish in the gospel of Christ in their lives and in their ministry. Paul says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Similar to Romans 16.25, we are strengthened through the gospel, strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 
right? We saw last week that the gospel or, or the grace of Jesus to save sinners by faith alone in Christ alone is the power of God to save sinners like you and like me. It's the power of God to sustain sinners like you and like me. When you are weak, you need strengthened by the grace of Christ Jesus. And when you are tired, you need fueled by the grace of Christ Jesus. And when you're doubting, you need assured by the grace of Christ Jesus. And when you're being destroyed by sin, you need the freedom that comes only in the grace of Christ Jesus. And allow me to just nip something in the bud that I know will come up in maybe some of your conversations because I've heard of this coming up in your conversations. Not everyone in the room, but some of you. You will use this idea of being strengthened by grace, that grace is what strengthens you, that grace is what gives you life, that grace is what heals you, that grace is what helps you, and you'll use this as a responsibility, or excuse me, you'll use this as an excuse to get out of accountability. You'll use this as an excuse to keep sinning. You will use this as an excuse because I know you have to silence your spouse when they call you out on your sin. You will use this as an excuse to tell others to leave you alone. You just need grace. Just give me grace. I just want to say, church, stop with that. Stop that. Grace is not freedom to keep sinning. Grace is freedom from God's wrath for your sin. And grace is freedom from the power of your sin over you because of Christ's sacrifice. It is not freedom to keep sinning. You're no longer a slave to sin. Walk free from it. There's no longer condemnation from you. So rest in God's grace. Grace is not your buzzword to protect yourself. Grace actually strengthens you to fight sin. You can receive your wife's or your husband's pointing out of your sin to call you to repentance, and you can receive it because of grace, not deny it because of grace. Because of grace, you say, yes, you're right, and you repent, and you confess, and you walk to holiness. One of the most valuable things one of the absolutely most valuable things that we can pass on to the men at our church that we're training to pastor is this, to be a church full of community and of preaching that showers them in the grace of Jesus. We are strengthened by the grace that is in Jesus. We are strengthened by the gospel and the preaching of Jesus. We want men who leave us to go pastor to smell like the grace of Jesus. You know what I mean? That, that fresh out of the shower smell when your hair and your body still smell good? Like right out of the shower and you're like, wow, man, I smell great. Right, when your child gets out of the shower after actually washing themselves this time and your child comes up to you to get dressed and you're like, wow, they smell so good. I've not smelled you like that in weeks. We want men to leave our church smelling fresh with the grace of Jesus, drenched with the grace of Jesus. This grace of Jesus will strengthen them for life, for ministry, and specifically for the preaching ministry. And fathers, there should be no greater goal for you as a father than for your children to leave your home one day 
and step into adulthood smelling like the grace of Jesus. Strengthened by the grace of Jesus, declaring the grace of Jesus to others. What a joy as a father. No matter the job your child takes, no matter the location they decide to live in, no matter how successful they are in this world's eyes, may our children smell like the grace of Jesus. That is your goal as a father, to shower them in the grace of Jesus so that they're strengthened in that grace for life. Paul goes on. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Right? What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach also. Paul says, you've heard me teach this. Many others have heard me teach this. If you forget what I teach, go ask them what I've taught. There's, there's accountability here. Others have heard this. Take what I have taught you and teach it to other people who will then be faithful to take what you have taught them and teach it to other people, who will then be faithful to take what you have taught them and teach it to other people. Do you see this discipleship process that they are going through here? Make disciples who make disciples. Plant churches who plant churches. Teach those who will teach others. It is a stewardship of the gospel message that we declare it, share it, evangelize it with it, that we proclaim it to others and preach it to others who will then take it and do the same to others. This is how the gospel keeps moving forward. Spirit-empowered preaching of the gospel to those who grow in spirit-empowered preaching of the gospel to those who grow in spirit-empowered preaching of the gospel. Generation after generation after generation. Right, Emmaus's goal is not simply that Emmaus would last a long time. Emmaus's goal is that however long the Lord chooses to let this 501c3 last, this community of believers last, this local church last, that when we are gone, there are generations of churches that have come out of us because there are generations of men who have gone out to pastor and there are generations of Christians who have sat in this seat, never preached the gospel from a pulpit and yet proclaimed it daily in their lives to other people. We want the gospel to ring forth through generations from this church, not just for 50 years of this church. Pastoral residents, hear this. You have heard us preach the gospel to you. It's your turn to preach the gospel. Preach it, teach it, share it, proclaim it, declare it. Speak about the grace of God. Speak about the love of Christ. Speak about eternal damnation apart from Christ. Speak about our inability to earn salvation. Speak about the person and the work of Jesus on the cross and in his resurrection and in his coming again. Preach Jesus to us. If the next four weeks are void of Jesus, we have failed utterly. We need sermons rich in the grace of Jesus to strengthen us. Paul goes on, chapter 2, verses 3 through 7. Chapter 3 through 7, he brings out for us three illustrations. Soldiers, athletes, and farmers. Not typically three groups of people you just lump together. Soldiers, Athletes and farmers. Look at chapter three, or chapter two, verses three through seven. Share in the suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say. 
for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. The rest of this passage goes on to tell aspiring pastors and yes, professing Christians alike to face suffering and hardship and life in general with the mentality of a soldier, the focus of an athlete and the hard work of a farmer. He says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ. And his goal in this is not to, to get us to be emotionally detached, right? Maybe the image that you have of a soldier who's hardened and emotionally detached and can face suffering because they just don't feel. That's not part of Paul's goal. Scripture actually speaks quite um, against that. But what he's telling us is this, expect suffering. Expect it. No soldier shows up in a foxhole and yells across the line at the enemy, why are you shooting at me? What did I do to you? They expect to be shot at. They expect suffering. He's not surprised when these things come. Likewise, a Christian should not be surprised by suffering. We suffer in life because we know that sin affects our entire world and sin causes suffering. Don't be surprised that parenting is hard. Don't be surprised that marriage is work. Don't be surprised that, walk, that walking in purity takes effort. Don't be surprised that there is sickness and grief and loss and hurt and betrayal. Don't be surprised that you will lose loved ones and friends and dreams. For those of you aspiring to be pastors, don't be surprised that pastoring is a joy and also extremely, extremely difficult. There is much suffering that comes for the Christian. And for the Christian who proclaims the grace of Jesus, the pastor who stands weekly and preaches the grace of Jesus publicly, we should not be surprised if we suffer specifically on behalf of what we say about sin and the gospel of Jesus. Don't be surprised if you proclaim Jesus from a pulpit or in your workplace and you lose friends and opportunities and reputation. Don't be surprised if you are spoken poorly of or slandered. Soldiers expect suffering. And the children of God are an army for the gospel. Expect suffering. The remainder of this section uses three more word pictures for us. A soldier doesn't get distracted by civilian matters. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And it is the hardworking farmer who should get the first share of the crops. For the sake of time, let me just give you Paul's point. He's telling us, be faithful, be true, don't take shortcuts, don't water down the gospel, work hard, be faithful, don't get distracted from the mission with all the shininess of the world. Expect suffering and keep telling people about the grace of Jesus. And in verses eight through 10, Paul says this, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we also will live with him. And if we endure, we will also reign with him. And if we deny him, we also, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. I may be suffering. My life may be falling apart. 
My strength may be fading and my future may look tough and I may even be in chains, but Paul says the word of God is not in chains. The word of God is not suffering. The word of God is not falling apart. The word of God is not fading in strength. It's as bright as ever. It is not bound. So endure in declaring and preaching the word of God. Why? So that those who are elect, those who will believe, will believe and be saved. And he ends with this encouragement for us. In chapters 11 through 13, God cannot deny himself. If you died with Christ, he will not deny you because he will not, den- not deny himself. If you endure in faith through suffering and hardship of life, he will not deny you for you are his child, heir to his throne, and you will reign with him. He won't deny his children. But if you deny him, he will deny you because he will not deny himself. If you're faithless, if you have moments of doubt, if you have discouragement and disbelief and fear and failure to obey, he is faithful. He is faithful. Your security rests not in your perfect faith, but in the object of your faith, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is perfect and died in your place for your forgiveness and rose again to give you life. God will not deny himself. So keep preaching the gospel. And close three pastoral charges. First, to our residents. Residents, you have heard the gospel preached by your pastors. You have heard it preached by those in your community group. You've seen it declared by others. And we are entrusting the gospel to you. Teach us the gospel. Declare it to your families to those in your life, and to those in this body of believers called Emmaus Church. The word of God is not bound, resident, but it is free and strong. Preach the grace of Jesus to us. We need to be strengthened by it. To our members, you have heard the gospel preached from this pulpit week after week, and you've heard the gospel declared to you by those in your community group week after week. Declare the gospel to someone this week. Teach someone to declare the gospel to another this week. Declare it to your children today, fathers. Declare the grace of Jesus to your spouse. Declare it to your neighbors and to your parents. Declare Jesus, the lost need to hear of the saving power of the word of God and the saved need to be strengthened by it. Preach the gospel to the unbeliever in the room. You, just like me, and just like the rest of us, are in dire need of Jesus Christ. Your sin has separated you from God. Your desire to be your own God, to to make your own rules, to do what you want, and to ignore the word of God has separated you from him eternally, and there's nothing that you can do to make that up. Scriptures actually call all of us an object of God's wrath until faith in Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God, came. He lived perfectly because we could not. He died in place of us to pay the penalty for our sins, and then he rose from the dead, giving us life who would believe in him. The scriptures say all you have to do today is have faith in Jesus, and you'll be saved. So come to him in faith today and receive life, and let us walk with you and help you know how to then preach that same gospel to others. What a joy to be a part of calling 
person after person, generation after generation to life in Christ. Every week at Emmaus, we take communion. We take the bread and then we take the juice representing the broken body and the shed blood of Christ in remembrance of this very gospel, this very grace which gives us strength. Church, if we come take this not in a robotic fashion, but with thoughtfulness, with contemplation, with meditation on the work, the life, the death, the resurrection of Christ, this actual practice of taking communion is a weekly strengthening for us. It's a weekly reminding us of the grace of Jesus that was given to us of, with nothing on our parts to earn it. And so I call you today to come take this, to be strengthened by the grace of Jesus. I love you, church. I'll miss you the next several months uh, from the pulpit. I look forward to singing with you there. Let's be a people who teach the gospel to those who would teach the gospel to those who would teach the gospel for generations to come. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the life that comes from it. Give us strength today through it. We pray these things in your name. Amen. The following audio is from Amaze KC. More information about Amaze KC is available online at www.amazekc.com.